The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Catch, touch and bang. Dara is a fantastic coach and um, some really, really exciting uh, young players coming through. Um, so there's an awful lot to be uh, excited about next week. County is like the party, uh, as we well know. Then we had Billy Byrne, who was going to come in to be the game chief. And we had to put a high ball in from the middle of the field. And Billy Byrne's job was to catch, touch and bang. Catch, touch and bang. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and then hit it. But, most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through take and take. Hello, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. We have a very special episode lined up for you today as we're joined by current Wexford senior hurling manager, Dara Egan. After spending three years as a coach with Tipperary under Liam Cheedy, this is Dara's first inter-county management role and he's made a great start with two wins from two in the league and preparing for a trip to Galway this weekend. Is Dara the new Messiah, Ben? Currently, he's my Messiah, yes. <laughs> we, we won't get carried away anyway. Here we are with Dara. Well, Dara, as you've probably come to realise over the last few weeks, we're not prone to getting overly excited or getting carried away with a few good results down here in Wexford. But in saying that, does having the All-Ireland final in July this year, is that a big positive with you being a school principal, meaning that you won't have to take the week off work? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, no, we need to we need to rein it back now a small bit. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, look, sure, so far, so good in the league. And... Uh, We'll try and once we head to Salt Hill now this Sunday, we'll try and get another result. But uh, look, it's very much a development phase for this team. And and I suppose with us, like we've only had access to the boys for the last nine, ten weeks. So we're very, very uh, early days in our coaching strategies and so on. So uh, as I said, we'll we'll take it step by step now. We won't get carried away. suppose if we go back to the, to the start, how, how did you come about getting the job? Was with Liam Sheedy calling it a day temporary? Were you calling it a day too when you were, this was your goal to look for a management job? Yeah, it wasn't really, to be honest. Um, we, I suppose, we as a management team and Tip sat down and we de- we decided to, that, that our three-year tenure was up and we decided not to, not to go for another year. And um, that was on a Saturday. And on the following Tuesday, I suppose, I got a call off the county chairman, Michal Martin in Wexford to see what I see what I have a chat with him first and then potentially come and meet the interview committee. And um, it was something I was very interested in, obviously, I suppose management and, and coaching is, is something that I have a real love for. And um, I was surprised to get the call. And once I did, then I said I'd uh, most definitely chat to me all anyway and, then, and, and go and meet them if the opportunity arose. So that's what I did. Uh, obviously there was a few logistical things that I needed to uh, tidy up and sort out uh, you know at home we have a very busy house we have three small boys and my wife is also teaching she's back to school since September there so 
uh, we had a few things we needed to needed to tie down. Um, so yeah, very interesting process around the interview, and really enjoyed it. I met some met some very very good people. Uh, There's great interview committee and some very good people in the background in Wexford GA. So I suppose the project excited me, and and that's where it came from. How did you go about uh, setting up your backroom team? Like I assume this would have been on an entirely new thing for you, setting up a big huge backroom team like that. Yeah, look. I suppose the work I did with Tip in the last three years, um, while I was coaching with, with Tip, I would have I would have been tight with Liam and I suppose to, you know carrying out some of the roles, assistant manager type work for Liam, and so I kind of had an idea what what the job entailed, which was you know you're learning from the best there. I had real, I had Liam as a manager uh, with several other managers with Tipperary, but. He had a real good way of doing things. So I was watching him closely for the last three years. And I'd be a real student of it in the sense that who you would need around the setup. I suppose my my role with Tip, I was 32 when I went in as coach with Tip. So quite a young man, not long out of the inter-county scene. And that was probably why Liam chose me to go in as a selector and as a coach was because I would have been tight to the group and I would have known what's going on. Look, society has changed and modern day hurling has changed. So it's it, it was definitely a, an angle, I suppose, Liam went after and, and it worked for us. So when I when I decided to put my backroom team together once once I was offered a job, uh, I took my time and I, I I needed to identify what was needed for the group. And obviously we needed a, a Wexford input, which we've got obviously with Willie as as coach, a top class, top class coach. But also uh, a few other good weeks from men in the background there. So it just it took time. You know, I had it probably took two and a half, three months to get it all tied down. And even as the year goes on, you kind of identify other areas where you might need you might need uh, input. So it's a work in progress all the time, really. I see Graham Byrne is still there. Was kind of that? Did you know Graham beforehand, or did you, was that part of you wanted continuity? I didn't know Graham beforehand. No, uh, look, he's a top class CV. Uh, I, I met him very early in, in the process, had a good chat with him up in Dublin and um, I suppose feedback as well from from some of the senior players who I would have known. I wouldn't have known that many of the Wexford boys, but I did know a few and uh, I got some really, really good feedback. The lads would have done a, a SWOT analysis for me early, early on. So you kind of, you get a good bit of input from the players and um I was very impressed by Graham and his what he brought to the table. Uh, he's a re- real good, real good uh, SNC coach. Has a good handle on 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 what needs to be done. So, and it was great continuity. Obviously, Niall Corkin was involved last year as well. So that was a real from a from an on field coaching perspective. That was a real, um, a real good you know good thing for me. So. There is a good bit of continuity there from the previous regime and uh, there's also a bit of freshness around the new people that we brought in as well. We've had Willie on Willie Cleary on the podcast a few times and like his absolute love and passion for not only Harlan but for, for Wexford Harlan is is very clear and then he's obviously had his successes as well with, with Gory. There's other names in there that uh, I suppose they've been brought to light recently in Billy Walsh and Gordon Darcy. How did they come about being part of the setup, and what what's their role? Yeah, just even going back to Willie there for a second. Um, I see last Thursday night only Willie was relaunching the hurling three six five in Wexford. So, like some of these initiatives, lads are 
are just top class and I suppose Wexford need to realise that that they're at the top of the pedestal around player development and 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 coaching development in the country. I suppose even in Tip and in Kiladang and we would have looked at some Wexford documents over the last decade and there's some really, really top class stuff going on. So I knew Willie was involved with that. There's good tip blood in Willie as well, which is great. He's part of the Burton Who man. So and I would have would have worked closely with his brother Barry Cleary uh, over the last few years um with Tip as well. So yeah, you know, Willie was a was a was a great selection for us. Moving on to to Gordon and to Billy, look, there's a there's an awful lot of this uh will make the media because they're such high profile um personnel. I suppose I'll start with Billy. Billy was with us a good bit in December. Uh, I would have met Billy, talked to him early early on in the process. The man's CV is just incredible. Um, I would have, again, had a good chat with Liam Sheedy around it. Him and Liam would have worked very closely together in Sport Ireland. So the minute he, he was in the frame, Liam would have, you know, asked, told me to, to go for it, definitely, if you could give any input at all. Uh, he's also on the High Performance Committee who would have interviewed me uh, for the role. So Billy had real good input in December. I'd be talking to Billy uh, on a weekly basis. His, I suppose his hands-on hands on in December was based around the session in St. Peter's College. And a lot of it is based around the leadership group and I suppose find, forming our, our identity as Wexford Senior Hurling team in 2022, how we can, how we can you know, Bring a freshness to it uh, from a backroom perspective, from a coaching perspective, how we can operate at elite level all of the time. And uh, Billy will be keeping an eye on that for us. Uh, he'll be giving us some very, very good tips. Um, the players I know got an awful lot from the day we spent with him in Peters College. Also, our leadership group will be touching base with him again over the next few weeks, just to make sure that we have everything in line. Because once the 16th of April hits for our for our Leinster campaign, this is going to be a hundred mile an hour stuff. So we want to have all of this background work done before before we head into that, making sure everything is running smoothly, making sure that us as a coaching structure are very solid and very aligned in our thinking and, and our, our on-field practice, but also for the players, making sure that they can get the absolute best out of themselves uh, over a five-match campaign, which will be in six weeks or you know five five games in six weeks is a very very tight time frame so um billy is huge input in that sense uh we do hope to get him back again uh on site as quick as we can i know his calendar is fairly full in in usa but as i said there's weekly contact with billy and it's great for us uh, to have that sounding board garden then is more is more once a week you know match days uh we had a very good session with garden in buffers alley last saturday we did our fitness testing and we did a, a good good leadership session. So Gordon is very hands-on again with the leadership group and, you know, formulating what our standards are like. Uh, Gordon's coming from a professional background, which is obviously much different, um, but he can still impart some top-class information to us on preparation and, I suppose, mental preparation for our games particularly. And uh, really, really good fella. And look... The common team with both is that they want Wexford Hurland to prosper and benefit and they want Wexford Hurland to bring that consistency consistency that brings us to the top table as regularly as possible. So uh, really delighted to have the two lads on. I think there will be a lot made of it in the media and so on, but we as a group, as a coaching group and a playing group, know exactly what these guys can give to us. And I think once we keep that in-house as much as possible, 
we'll we'll benefit from it. So uh, that's that's how it came about. Uh, again, when these lads are offering their services and willing to help and have a genuine, genuine interest in Wexford hurling, you know, heading towards that top table and staying there, we'll uh, definitely utilise them as best we can. Another Ferns man involved, Gordon. Another Ferns man, but he was hurling. He was hurling there one of the nights. Uh, he was actually down at one of our sessions last Tuesday week, and he's still well able to put ball anyway. So that's great. Um, it's interesting, just one little insight from Gordon. He couldn't believe, I suppose, coming from a f- professional Monday to Friday background where they can work on for hours and hours on stuff. He couldn't believe the short time frame we had with the players working on certain bits of our play. Like I think the night he was down, we played about an 18 or 20 minute match. It was the Tuesday before we went to Clare. So you're we trying to keep players fresh, but you're also trying to have a look at guys and uh, Gordon couldn't believe the the tight time frames that intercounty teams have together to to hone in on their skills. And even particularly now with the condensed league and the condensed championship, there's very little pre-season anymore and you don't have that much time to to get stuck into players, I suppose. Actually, I did a bit, little bit of rugby training two years ago, played a small bit, and something that I noticed and it was different to me was in the training is like they, they walk through a lot of the, the plays and the moves and like there's no contact in it. It's just literally again, and it's against no opposition or, or just ghosts basically. Would Gordon like mention trying things like that? Or is that just kind of out of his, his um, ask for the squad? No, that's out of his remit really. Um, yeah, no, he's very much based on, you know, preparation, not on field preparation, but mental yeah. preparation and, uh, leadership structures and you know the culture and the standards of the group that's where Gordon's input is um but look as you mentioned uh, I suppose hurling and and football but hurling is is getting more structured you see how you see maybe how Limerick have transformed the game around puck outs far and against how structured they are on the opposition puck out how disciplined they are on the opposition puck out and hurling is getting to that there's probably 60 to 70 times where the ball is dead and it's either a puck out far or against, or it's a long range free, or it's a sideline. Um, it's becoming a real, real part of the game that needs needs a lot of time. So there are more walkthroughs in hurling trainings now. Um, now, it's gas. We try and do that as much as we can in daylight. Uh, it's hard on a Tuesday evening when you go to ferns. Obviously, there's floodlights and so on, but you just want to get as much base work done on the Tuesday, Tuesday and Friday evenings in January and February as you can. Whereas a lot of the structure type walkthrough work you try to do on the weekend mornings or or if you know if we had like last weekend we had a down down weekend where there was no game, you try and try and get that type of work done. It's just a huge part of the game. Now you look at the Limerick game, obviously it was a it was a, a good win for us, but Limerick scored eleven points. Out of the eleven points, three of them came directly from their sidelines. Now, they weren't shooting at the posts, but they literally just put the ball down. And if you're not switched on or you're not touched tight with your man, you're going to get picked off. So it's an area that we need to improve on. It's an area that we need to go after. Um, But it just shows maybe how hurling is becoming very, very structured and disciplined like rugby. Now, I'd never like it to go like rugby. (laughs) You 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 know, you don't want to be uh, using the terminology that the, the rugby gurus use, but... It's it's just an area where you can get caught in hurling games because lads are so fit now. The game has gone so fast. Everybody is going for that little inch, and I think Limerick are after gathering an inch on the dead ball situation over the last two years, three years. So we all need to catch up with that now. 
when you took over first, were you a little wary of the mindset of the group, like kind of going in after Davy in the way he would have had things such in a certain way and been so intense? Uh, no, I wasn't actually. Um, as I said, I didn't really know the Wexford lads that well. I would have met them at the Fenway in New York and I, I would have known uh, Lee Mogue and a few lads, Matthew, from a few GPA courses I did. So their mindset is fine anyway, <laughs> them two boys that I mentioned. But it was, look, it was a fresh challenge. Uh, it was a fresh challenge for me. It was a fresh challenge for the players. Um, they knew there was going to be changes coming. Which look they they had a they had a good a good regime with Davy they they enjoyed it they got their success in 2019 with the Leinster campaign but they knew there was a bit of freshness coming into the group which was no harm so look it's up to us as a coaching team as I said we've only nine or ten weeks done with the group uh, we're only barely chipping away at the mindset of the group or the collective collective goal of the group we're only we're only getting to grips with that now um and that, that's going to take a lot more time than we've had with it so it's an area that it's an area that we really need to work on i think it's an area that wexford need to work on um around the consistency of performance and the consistency of a winning mindset i think that's that's just that's not because of the regime that has just gone i think that's just in general if you look at if you look at the last two decade or two decades it's the consistency piece that Wexford have to strive for. And we're going to go after that. We're going to, it's going to take time. Um, but I think we'll, uh, we have good men now in the right places that we can, we can attack that and see where it takes us, particularly over 2022. Are there any players that you've been particularly surprised by since, since you started? I've, I've been surprised by a good few and I've, uh, you know, um, some lads have really put their hand up. I suppose when I was appointed, I, I was lucky in the sense that it was just before the quarterfinals. So I got to see a lot of club action, which was great um, because we needed to look at a lot of players. We ran a district league for four weekends where we looked at, oh, they got to 70, 75 players. And that was brilliant to see. See so many bodies. Some lads were top notch in club championship. Obviously, the county final was over very early in hurling, so it then gave a good gap. Obviously, when the lads were playing their football championship, we could gather our thoughts, um, think about who we'd like to look at in the district league. And once that kicked on, once once that started, twenty seventh of November, we were really able to hone in on you know who we need in certain areas. Some lads really, really put their hand up. If you look at Ushin Foley, Charlie McGuck, and Ushin Pepper. Even some of the lads who have been around the panel for a while have been have trained very well. Davy Dunn went through a really really good patch of training there. Other lads, other lads are in playing in maybe different positions that than they have been played in before, and that's given them a bit of a freshness. You look at obviously Connor Mack and Rory. It's great to see these lads up close because when you're when you're working with Tip and you're you're trying to you know I'm I suppose it's one area that I absolutely love is opposition analysis. When we were looking at these lads for the 19 semi-final and so on you have a very particular you know thoughts in your head about how they play and how they but to see them up close then is great and what what nuances they brought to their game over the last two or three years is uh really interesting so look we've been pleasantly surprised by lots of players we now have our panel picked of of 40 lads we have nine under 20s in that in that 40 um I've developed a really good working relationship with Keith Rossiter where the twenties are obviously getting ready for their campaign, but we have some lads in from the twenties train with us at different times throughout the week. Uh, it's working really well. 
I suppose the last time I met Keith before he was selected, he was appointed under 20s manager and I was appointed senior manager was in 2007 when Wexford turned us over in Crow Park in the quarter final or the preliminary quarter. He, he gave me a bit of a lick in the same day. So <laughs> good to have developed, it's good to have developed that working relationship with him. But I've been really, really excited by the 20s players, to be honest. Um, they have brought a real freshness to our training. They've added a massive amount of pace to the squad. And what's great is they come into training, they've no inhibitions, they've no pressures on them. Some lads are coming from double double mats on a, on a Tuesday evening at three to four o'clock and next thing, three hours later, they're inside and they're marking Matthew Hanlon or they're marking, you know, uh, say Rory O'Connor or whatever. And, and like, that's what you need. You need that freshness around the place. So, uh, as I said, delighted to, to have the so many 20s on it. Um, everyone is in the development phase. Like uh, we've mentioned it, I mentioned the media, and I've mentioned it in to in the dressing room that look, February is a real education month for this squad. We have three really good games between Limerick, Clare, and Galway, um, but we also have lots of work that we need to hone in on. And um, some lads are picking it up faster than others, and that's just the way that's 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 the way panels develop. But uh, we're going to get loads and loads of info on lads throughout February, but also we're going to get loads and loads of strategic game plan um, stuff and a lot of uh, a lot of, as I said, education into the group over this month. So um, hopefully we we pick it up because as of now, as of today, I think we are seven and a half weeks from when we play Galway in the in the first round of the Leinster campaign. So that's not far away at all. Was there a message that you've a panel of 40? Was there any message to the players who might have just missed out? Yeah, well, look, sure, that's just the nature of it. Uh, the panel of 40 as well. Basically, we have 31 plus nine because nine of our players are going to be getting ready for their 20s campaign over the yeah. next six weeks. So, as I said, some will come in with us some nights, others won't. So we, we're, we're working it that way. Um, yeah, look, the door is always open. Uh we, we, we've chatted to a few lads who are not currently in the 40. They have chances to get back in. We will have down weekends where we have no league game, where we'll be looking at AVB games and we'll be looking at different players coming in. So, um, yeah, that's just the nature of it. Over the next seven weeks, uh, we're getting ready for, obviously we have league games to play, but we're getting ready for a championship campaign. So it's the best horse that jumps the fence by the time the 16th of April comes. That's just the way it has to be. Is it a... Tough press because Wexford obviously playing such a short passing game, running game the last couple of years. Are you is it like a, almost a tough process to right lads? We're actually going to put the ball long here into Conor Mac. Is it a tough process to change the mindset? Of, not to use the word mindset. I want to get rid of that. <laughs> just to change the tactics a little bit. To or is it just like lads? You can you can lump it down there now whenever you want. Philosophy, Ben, is that the word you're looking philosophy, for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come up with what's some your, other different fancy word for it now, Lair. What's your coaching philosophy? No, look, as I said, you see the first half against Limerick, against the wind in Wexford Park, we had to run the ball, which the team are very, very efficient at. They've worked hard on it over the last few years. They are good at it. And again, we have to develop that. That's not something we're just going to park in the corner and not use. 100% we're going to use that. But we have to layer our game. We have to really develop our game into a hybrid version of running game, long ball, direct game. Sometimes you'll have big men in the full forward line. Sometimes you'll have legs in the full forward line. Sometimes you'll have big lads, big, big, big. 
big personnel with legs in the full forward line. So we're going to have to just layer our game as best we can over the next over the next few weeks. But obviously, over the next you know season or two, where where we have to develop a, a more of a direct game, but keep keep the keep the running game with the boys that the boys are so efficient at, and. Look, we've we've excellent coaches. We've really, really good coaches on the pitch, and we're getting our messages across. You will see even a different style against Galway now Sunday, where um, you know you'll see bits and bits and bobs of both both styles of play. Um, but that's what we have to get to. There's going like 16th of April. It's not going to be 25 degrees in Wexford Park on the 16th of April. There could be a savage wind there that day. So if we're playing against the wind against Galway in that first round. Are we going to try and just stand in our half back line and lump ball long down top of a full forward line and not be able to reach them? No, we're not. So um just look, as I said, we need to layer it, we need to develop it, and we need to work on our strengths, which which the lads have developed over the last few years also. Give us a bit of an injury update on a few players. Kevin Foley obviously got injured against Dublin in the Welsh Cup. Lee Chin. Sean Murphy's another who seems to be gone, and Gavin Bailey is coming back. Can you give us a bit of an update on where they are? Yeah, again, like I said, after the Clare match, uh, Kevin Foley being contention for this Sunday against Galway. Uh, they've ha- has had a good block of training over the last few weeks. Lee Chin is back training, working very, very well. Uh, he won't see action against Galway, but hopefully in the next few weeks he, he'll see pitch time. Gavin Bailey is 100% back in, training very well, so he will also see a bit of pitch time and Sean Murphy is unfortunately heading for back surgery so um, that's going to be important for him I think that's this week Thursday I think it is so um, you know that's a big thing for him Sean had a baby recently there in November and uh, his day-to-day health is what's absolutely paramount at the moment he doesn't need to be thinking about any league games or or, uh, championship preparation he just needs to get that back sorted but He's still going to be a huge part of our panel, and he's a top class fella. One of the first, one of the first players I met when I got the job, and uh, ever since day one, he's been really, really positive, really uh, a huge, huge figure within the group, and he'll continue to be that over the next few weeks, even 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 though he'll be laid up for a few for a while after his surgery. Have you read the graphic novel yet? What's that now? Oh God. Graphic novel about ninety six. You haven't read it? No, I got a book in the post there recently. You know, I don't know how they found me, but the Wexford Bible from eighteen something to two thousand and eighteen. There's great book now, great publication. So some some uh, some local fella here felt that I should be reading it. So I got that in the post recently. I haven't I haven't got the other graphic novel either though. No, we'll have, we'll have to get you sorry Jay, with a copy of the graphic novel set the heather blazing yeah, if Tom Doyle you're listening here Dara hasn't got one he'd love one <laughs> yeah bit my time reading I listened to Dancing at the Crossroads there about three or four times a week in the car on the way down just to get me <laughs> that does me at the moment <laughs> what's the what's the about two and a half hours from Kiladangan to Ferns yeah, do you know what? It's it's two hours door to door exactly, about an hour and fifty coming home. Uh Carlo this so I go Port Leash, Carlo, Bunclody, Bunclody and Ferns. So I suppose the schools in Carlo, if I get caught there in that school traffic going around Carlo Town, that's what delays me a small bit. But yeah, two hours door to door basically. Wixford Town is about two and a half hours then. Are we talking in that two hours, would you be constantly on the phone to guys 
about different tactics and stuff like that as opposed to just driving you know yeah no definitely it's an it's an ideal opportunity um to get a few calls in chat to a few of the players chat to the coaches on the way down i suppose as coaches we have a very good weekly routine in the sense that we do a zoom call we do a zoom call tuesdays at one o'clock we'd have the session plans ready to go on a monday um if it's a if it's a monday post match uh, our analysis team so Anya kinsler leads up our analysis and uh to Lisa and Linda Bulger there from St. Martin's give her a hand on match day so they are just like the work they do I'd say Anya Kinsella doesn't sleep a wink she'd have all our all our post-match analysis to us early on a Monday even sometimes Sunday evening um, we'd have all our clips cut and we do usually do a video quick video session before training on Tuesdays so I suppose the Tuesday journey is just making sure that all of that is set up I try to get to Ferns at five o'clock I suppose the primary teaching it's ideal that we're finished i'm finished here at 240 so if i leave puck on by three o'clock i'm nearly always in ferns for five and uh we keep, we start training a quarter to seven so it's working working well so far i'm enjoying the drive i'm enjoying the bit of work i can get done in the car uh you would listen to a few podcasts some days you just need to switch off the phone and and get something on the radio get a podcast on just to clear the mind a bit but so far, so good. Um, again, look, people will say, "Oh, it's mad driving to Wexford and it's mad." But you look at February alone. We were in, we were in Wexford, obviously for the Limerick game. Then we were in Ennis. We were in Galway. Like all these places are only an hour from me. So the weekends so far in July or or in February have been very, um, you know, very easy driving for me. So no, I'm enjoying it so far. So. So just to clarify, when you say you got you have time to listen to podcasts, you mean the Harlem podcast? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just, yeah. just wanted to make sure. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's of course, cool. of course. And Tide Harry's one actually listened to a good few minutes of that. So, um, no, you're going well. You've good guests on so far. So good, anyway. <laughs> Thanks. You, you mentioned before we were on air that you kind of the Fitzgibbon guys. You were more than willing to just let them away with the Fitzgibbon as opposed to dragging them down. Whereas other managers say they get criticism for, I think it was, I think it was two lads playing for UCC. I think they played a game for, get played a game for the college, and then they drove two hours to come on thirteen minutes for the the county team. Is that something you felt strongly about to give them the time? Yeah, well, look to be honest, I think that was football you were talking about, where the Kerry lads had to drive from Temple Tuhi, um, where they were playing a college match, and they had to go play football. So. Look, the football league is much different to the hurling league. It's it's a huge huge part of their season, but uh, in my opinion, I was at the Fitz final on Saturday after our trend in Buffers Alley. Uh, Fitzgibbon is a great competition. It's it's a pity that it's so condensed. It is really really just shoved in there at the moment. Um, but it's it's a competition that we we as inter county managers get to see really you know what's in a player and are they able to survive at a very very high level. So. Um, the most recent game with the Wexford lads involved, I suppose, was the semi-final in um, with Carlo IT and UL with, when Mikey Kiley got the last-minute winner. But I was delighted with the input of the Wexford lads. She gave Shane Reck an opportunity to get some game time. You know, marking he was marking Mark Rogers first off, and he's marking you know marking some top-class inter-county forwards. So that was great. Carl Dunbar hurled very well through all the games with Carlo IT. Rory Higgins got I think six from play against UL, and um, Shane Casey was on fire as well. He, you know, he got a good few scores. I think 
the Wexford lad scored 118 out of 126 or something for Carlo IT. So uh, that's a good sign for us. It's a good sign for us uh, as as Wexford as a Wexford cohort. So um, it's it, look, it's a great competition. It's definitely a competition that needs to be respected by, by intercounty managers. And uh, I really enjoyed watching all the games. Like you can't beat there on a Monday or on a Wednesday evening being at home, being able to live stream a game to your phone or to the iPad or whatever. It's ideal for us rather than having to drive around the country try to get to these games. So um I know, you know, I went to NUIG, I know the the benefits that the NUIG lads got out of Keen Lynch playing playing with them Fitzgibbon this year. I think he took everything up a notch. I had a right good chat with Jeff Linsky there a few weeks ago and he just said obviously on the field Keen Lynch was given exhibitions and as a great player but off the field he just raised everyone's level with regard to gym work with regard to training levels and so on so that's what Fitzgibbon brings you know what I mean it's the same with Carl Dunbar Carl Dunbar and Shamey Casey and Higgins and these lads going into Carlo IT if they're playing with you know younger fellas or lads who are who are just breaking onto inter-county scene um it's it's you know it's great for them to be able to i suppose show the level that they're operating at and i think that's that's ultimately the the importance of the fitzgibbon campaigns and as well it's called crack for lads like it's you know obviously the nyg lads were bet last weekend you will guaranteed they have good crack for a day or two and and they're totally entitled to that too so um it's yeah, it's competition that needs to be respected. I do appreciate that Sigerson is a bit different. It's knockout Sigerson, and I do like the football league is very very condensed and it's a very very important competition. So, uh, it's unfortunate that them stories do happen, but I think that's for each county themselves to to navigate their way through. Really, we had Colin Ryan on last week, and he was telling us about hurling with you in NUIG, and that you were. You would have been a good man for the team bonding. So for, for the crack that you were talking about, any, well, have you any stories for us on that? No, you see, again, it was so different back then. Like if you, if you take it, I, I do have a few stories for it. I suppose we, I was in NUIG. I was on the tip panel at the time. Um, Babs Keaton was our manager. So he was a big Fitzman, having, having been over UCD for a good few years. Um, but as well, the league was so spaced out at that stage. You know, yeah. it was it was really, really long time period. So the Fitzgibbon got a lot of credit at that time. Um, with NUIG as well, you know, our, our Connacht League at the time, your colleges were allowed to enter that. So like Galway would only have a second or a third team out and all the, you know, GMIT would have a team. Then your Mayo or Roscommon, they'd all be in that. And at the time it was sponsored by Knock Airport. So for winning the league, winning that Connacht League, your prize was a two-day trip to London to play to play London in a challenge match, in a kind of a, um, you know, like a, an exhibition match or whatever. But sure, all it was was two days of absolute crack over in London. <laughs> and and that, that, you know, that bonded the Fitzgibbon team then getting ready for the Fitzgibbon campaign. So, look, I had loads of great years playing Fitzgibbon, really enjoyed it. I went into Mary Ian, I played Ryan Cup in there. Um, if you look at the, you know, my first at the time as well. You were, if you were a fresher, I was, I was a big fresher, and I was able to play Fitzgibbon. When I was when I was in first year, nineteen years of age, we played UCC in a quarter final up in Dangan, which is a very NUIG's home ground, very very tough place to go. And like that day, so me as a nineteen year old nineteen year old playing full forward for NUIG, the opposition half forward line were Tommy Walsh, Chaff Fitzpatrick, and Tom Kenny. That was the that was the UCC. 
and we actually turned them over. I think we bet them three points in that quarterfinal. So you'd look like you know you you just had real top class personnel playing it. So uh, no, as I said, great competition. The competition that is uh, is valuable, invaluable for um for all all budding inter county players. So uh, and yeah, you get a bit of enjoyment out of it too, but that's needed. What were your thoughts on Keane Lynch's red card? Yeah, um, yeah, it was harsh. Look, it was harsh. Uh, neither, I suppose, the two lads involved, Keane Lynch and Brian O'Mara, would be two of the cleanest players to ever play the game. They're really, really top class fellas. So, um, no, I t- just think it was harsh. Um, and Fergal was directed by Sean Sean Clear, and uh, it just probably looked it looked worse than it was to Sean Clear and that was the decisions made it was the wrong one but I'm sure looking back at it both uh, Sean and ultimately Fergal will put their hands up and say um, it didn't warrant a red card but what you know what the, the character the man you, you see a lot of the tweets going on going out about Keane that he was still on the field after I suppose loads of young lads coming over to him and he still had the the wherewithal to you know sign sign a few autographs, then in for a few photos, and um, it's a disappointing end for I'd say what was a really really enjoyable campaign for Keen Lynch, but also for NUIG because I do think they were on top at the time and it did it did change the momentum of the game, but that's the way it goes. These Fitzgibbon and Sigerson competitions they throw up random events and random uh, you know random kind of finishes. So fair play to you, well they they took their opportunity when it came. And you're trying to get Dara to start giving out about intercounty referees or something. <laughs> no, 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 I've good relationship with them. Yeah, no good relationship. And, and, uh, giving them an opportunity to butter them up. Yeah, no, oh, no, definitely. Right, okay. Definitely. For, Fergal is top class referee. So uh, we might see him at some stage through the year. But um, yeah, look, there's decisions like that happen, unfortunately, but so be it. I think we move on and and hopefully Keane's card will be rescinded and, and everyone will go about the league campaign now this weekend. Yeah. Is there something about uh like there's a lot of inter-county managers at the minute last couple of years who are who are goalkeepers more <laughs> more than you know the position. Do you think there's something that you learn from being in the goal more than playing out the field? Uh very interesting question. I suppose I had the best of both worlds. I was outfield on the panel with Tip from 2005 to 2010 and then I was back in as sub-goalie um, you do see an awful lot of the game in goals usually goalies are loud and half mad so that probably helps for to be an inter-county <laughs> manager as well but um, no it's I suppose you're you, you, you maybe because it's so position specific you you are tactically aware or you you are structurally aware if you're playing in goals and I still play in goals with my club for our second team there you want a compact defence you want to have loads of room in your forward line you want your midfielders to carry out a certain role and you let them know or you try to talk them through the game like that it probably does help with a tactical awareness really uh, it probably helps from a from a setup setup point of view for your team so um, yeah, I don't really know what the connection is with so many of us involved, but it probably does help. Yeah, and as I said, I would have I would have had the best of both worlds. I was a forward with Tip in eight, nine, and ten, where Eamon O'Shea was our was our forwards coach per se, and I would have learned an awful lot from forward forward movement and forward 
structure and so on when, when Eamon was with us or lack of structure that you want to create in your forwards. So uh, I would have had the best of both worlds. So 2010 was your last year in out the field. Was was that goal against Wexford then your last goal for, for uh, Tipperary out the field? It was. It was actually, yeah, yeah. I got injured. I got injured in 2011 and uh, went back into goals in my club then for a while. And I played Tip Intermediates in 12, in 13, back in with Tip Seniors then. In yeah, as sub goalkeeper in 14 and 15, so yeah, my last no, I did play outfield with the club after that. But my last, uh, my last inter county goal was that one in Wexford, hit the crossbar. No, McGrath should have thrown it across to me in the first place, but he kicked the ball <laughs> off, the, he kicked the ball off the crossbar, and uh, yeah, nice, nice chance to get a get a goal. But obviously, that 2010 campaign was a huge year for me personally, but also for Tipperary. So it was nice to have some part on pitch involvement in that year. I think with the score the way it was, Noel could have put it over the bar. So could you. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> instinct, I suppose. Um, I know. Um, yeah, no, no, that's that's just the way that was going that year. We were just on a roll and whoever came in our path, I think, was going to get that, uh, that kind of a result. Despite Stephen Banville's best efforts. Yes. <laughs> Stephen Banville and Becky Fanning had good crack that day, all right, yeah, but <laughs> two good, Two good, solid men. <laughs> um, a quick question just there's a lot of talk about the work that's gone on in your home club Kildangan and your involvement in it so for any of the club committee members that might be listening what is the starting point to something like that and how is it maintained yeah it's probably something that has been well documented since our 2020 county final weekend our 2020 county final win like there's not really that many secrets to it. I suppose I'll give you a bit of a background as to how it came about. I qualified out of Mary I in 2010 and my first job was not the school I went to in our parish, but the other school, there's two schools in our parish. So I started there as a teacher, you know, really enjoyed it. I probably was in the job about maybe a month and Eamon Kelly, who obviously went on to manage Offaly and Leash and Kerry afterwards. He was our club chairman at the time. Really, really good fella. And he rang me and he said, look, I have a job for you. And I said, I already have a job. He says, no, I have a real important job for you. Is there any chance you take over as juvenile chairman? And I said, Jesus, I won't. I said, I was only 24 at this stage. Like, um, I said, I don't, I said, I wouldn't be able to. I said, I'm telling you, I'll put two good, very good people in as secretary and treasurer. I think you'd be right good for it. Now that you're working in the school, you'd be able to keep an eye on on what's going on in the schools. And I said, right, I'll try, I'll try it anyway. And it kind of spiraled from there. Um, the club, our club in general, had really good structures. We got our first divisional win in 2008, not what's called North Senior Championship in tip, which we hadn't won for like 65 years or something. It was a huge, huge win for us. So the ball was already rolling after our All-Ireland final win against Carrick Shock and Intermediate All-Ireland the ball was rolling and uh, we had good structures in place. So we just went after the juvenile club then kind of starting in 2010. And it was quite simple. We just identified what we needed to do. Uh, we Our numbers were increasing just because we were, you know, maybe a, a satellite village of Nina town and our schools, our schools were prospering. So we, we really went about putting good structures in place. The first thing we did, and this honestly had a huge, huge impact in our club over the last decade, was we got senior players involved in our underage teams. 
And I suppose you ask how we did that. Like, I was over the under 12s in 2010, even though I was juvenile chairman. We just went after it where you'd put a senior player or two along with maybe one or two adults, you know, one or two parents. And we went and we trained the young lads. So our 12s, 14s, 16s, even our under 10s were all trained by a senior player. And ultimately, if you're a young lad coming up, so you look at the likes of Willie Connors, who won an All-Ireland with Tip in 2019. He was probably playing under 14 at the time. And he was now being trained by, say, Darry Egan or Joe Galler or some of the some of the some of the senior players. So automatically you kind of gain that respect because you're training them on a Friday evening. The next thing they're watching you play on a Sunday. So they're aspiring to be making that senior team. So um it was it it worked really well for us and we kept that going throughout the decade. And we just got a bit of success. We started, we were competing. Every team we have, we had went into the A division. So we started competing at the top level. Then ultimately we started winning at the top level. And I think about 80% of our juvenile titles have been in the last 10, 12, 13 years. And they're at the top division. If you look, actually, we're getting our medals on the 12th of March. We're getting our 2020 county senior hurling medals. But this year alone, we for every adult team which is testament to the work that went on over the last decade from all brilliant people involved every adult team we had won their division so our under 19s won the north a our under 21s won the 21s a our seniors won the north senior championship our junior c's won the north championship our junior b's won the north championship so we entered five adult teams this year and all five won their divisional title which is has never been done before and i'm not sure will it ever be done again but it's just a testament on of the good work and i suppose the player retention we have had over the last few years all all these young lads over the last decade have got top class training uh, we didn't do any master player pathways or, you know, there's loads of good documents. And as I said to you earlier, Wexford probably lead the line in this. But what we did was we got really, really good people involved. Parents started to buy into it. We did small things like player exchange, you know, team exchanges where we connected with Dunlai and Antrim. And every year we do a, we do an exchange program where we'll go up to Dunlai this July. We'll spend two nights up there. We'll play a few tournaments. We'll play Dunlai, Lockheel, St. Pat's Dungannon and then next, that's our under 14s or 15s next year they'll come down to us and the same thing will happen we'll organise a blitz there and like our players absolutely like they look forward to that three months out from the events so we just yeah we went after the juvenile club as I said there was no secret recipe or anything we just really really um we really, really went, you know, worked hard and got good structures in place. And it does dip. There's no point in saying it doesn't. We we now have to go after it again. We have designed a few player pathways and a few player development programs only in the last 12 months over lockdown. We have to go back after it again and really, really try and increase our levels again. But as I said, we've had good success. When you start winning things as well, it does become easier. Thankfully, at our adult dinner dance, which is on the twelfth of March, we'll be giving out ninety. We'll be giving medals to ninety-seven players on that night, which is wow. insane. Like, if you look at our club at present, right? We've seen her. We've seen her. Obviously, we were betting the county semi-final this year. We also have our second team is also senior. Um, so it used to be called Senior B. Now it's actually called Premier Intermediate. But so we've two teams operating at a very, very high level. So uh, straight away you're talking fifty players. Then we have a Junior B and a Junior C team. So we've player retention is great. Now again, geographically it helps. 
all our lads are in college in Limerick. There's nobody in Dublin, nobody, say, in Waterford IT or anywhere like that. So everyone lives around, they're able to train during the week. It does make a difference as well. So logistically, we're, we're benefiting from that. But uh, no, it's something that I'm really passionate about. It's something that I'm probably even going to become more passionate about because I've three boys myself, a six-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And even look, I take my six-year-old down to train in there and I can't like... We, we think we're organised for Wexford senior hurling training sessions, but you go down to an under seven training session and you look at the organisation of, of some of the some of the club coaches, it's just off the off the scale. So um, it's it's yeah, it's, as I said, something I'm really, really passionate about. And I just can't wait to see how how my boys go through the system, because I think uh, I think we've good structures in place now. We need to make hay while the sun shines, I think. Now, we're going to ask you a few quick fire questions now. Who's the best player? you've ever played with very simple one kelly tipperary absolutely insane and probably carried a few a few of my tip teams in 05 06 07 08 he carried our team for four or five years in his own but not alone was he the best player i've ever played with but one of the best leaders and people in addressing them I've ever been with and I had to I had the pleasure of being a coach with him with Tip for the last two years so he's a just a top class individual and you look how he he's still getting his own team on the horn over the line he still has the same passion he has back in the back from 2001 he still has it in the veins and he's going to drive Mulnahorn forward over the next few years too not surprised at that answer Ben Ben were you saying it recently that Darry, you, you would have had a fairly tough job yourself trying to get into that full forward line in uh, in Tipperary with the with the players that they've had during the throughout the years. Oh yeah, oh sure. Look, look, you look at Larry <laughs> Owen, even you know John O'Brien. <clears throat> we had some savage forwards, and then Bonner Maher and Grod Ryan, all these lads started coming. So I was very much a panel player, but um, you know, again, you, I just I learned to enjoy it as much as I possibly can, and sometimes it can be hard being a, being a sober or whatever, but. Jesus being in there, lads, you know, there was nothing more enjoyable than going training and maybe playing full forward with Larry Corbett or with Owen Kelly either side of you and being able to pop him out. But you mightn't have played on the Sunday, but Jesus, Tuesday and Friday was always enjoyable anyway. Toughest Wexford player you've played against? Toughest, oh, Keith Roster. As I said to you, he gave me a licking in, in, in 2007 <laughs> up in Crow Park. So, yeah, no, some defender. Uh, that was at the height of Owlert as well. And, um, you know, I know he was in WT as well, WIT as well. I was great, great defender, a hardy buck, and most importantly, an absolute gentleman. And uh, thankfully, as I said, we've a very good working relationship in Wexford at the moment. And between the two of us, we'll we'll hopefully develop these players, these really exciting uh, 19, 20 year olds, and and uh, hopefully developing developing develop them so they have a good future at Wexford. What type of hurl did you use? Very interesting, actually. I, I would have been star in Kilkenny. Mark Dowling Kilkenny would have made all my outfield hurls all the way up along. And when I went back in goals, I used Cannings. And Ivan and Joe Canning would have made my hurlies from, from 2011 or 12 onwards, and they still do. So as I said, I'm still hurling in goals for, for our senior B team and uh, really enjoying it. So a canning wand is what I use at the moment and if I if I ever if I got properly fit and went back outfield I'd still use a canning goalie hurl outfield just for the <laughs> just for the little wrists no matter where you are on the, no matter where you are on the field if you have a goalie hurl in your hands like that 
you have a chance you have a chance of sneaking a pint so that's that's the hurley of choice at present you might have a little higher chance again hooked i'd say mm, if the wrists are, <laughs> if the wrists are good enough you know, you get rid of um the legs mightn't be great but the wrists would be all right who's the one player that you'd go to war with uh, a strange one here but i think a huge player for us all throughout the 2008, 9, 10, even obviously on to 11, 12, Conor O'Mahony. You would go to anywhere with that man. And no doubt, but he was the worst trainer ever. And I mean ever. <laughs> he was allergic to long running. He was allergic. Um, he, was just, he was just a real quirky kind of character, laid back down to earth, but a hardy, hardy boy. And uh, was a, the absolute linchpin of our defence when we won the All Ireland in 2010. So he's uh, he'd be my choice for a for a, a war hero. <laughs> What's the best inter county goal you've ever seen? Yeah, Mikey Kiley's one, even though it was Fitzgibbon. Uh, that's fresh <laughs> in the mind. But um, no, again, I'd say just for effect and for for um. You know, the, the buzz and the atmosphere was Owen Kelly's goal against Cork when he he took, I think it was 2009, where Gerard Ryan hit it in short and he caught it ahead of Brian Murphy. He leaned into Brian Murphy and then on the swivel, put it in the top right corner, Don Logue at full stretch, couldn't get to it. But also there was such a crowd in Parky Keeve that day, all the crowd were moving across at the back of the, at the Turris, but they were actually on the pitch behind the goals and they obviously had to stop. So when Owen Kelly hit, got that ball straight in top corner, the crowd and the umpire and everyone were behind the goals jumping, trying to, in case it came <laughs> through the net at them. But yeah, I suppose that was my favourite, favourite goal. Um, there was another goal, Joan, you see these best top 10 goals of all time. And it was a goal that I never remember seeing up to a few years ago was Jimmy Barry Murphy's goal where he pulled and that the ball was coming in at pace and he, he got a connection onto it and put it in the top corner. Um, I had never seen it up to about three years ago, but Jesus, it was some goal. No, I didn't see it live. So Overhead flick, was it? Yeah, an overhead flick. Yeah. It was absolutely outrageous. But no, Owen Kelly's goal against Cork, yeah. And right, last one now. What's your favourite or most memorable moment from your career? Uh, I'm going to give you two. And they're, they're both they're both club-based. Um, Winning the All Ireland Intermediate against Carrick Shock in 2005. It was Easter 2005, even though it was the 04 campaign. We were 63 minutes gone, we were three points down, and our centre back came up to try to rescue a brilliant goal, you know, get one of these hero goals. And he actually broke his leg, and a huge player for us, Dan Hackett. And in the next 90 seconds after he went off the field, we scored two goals and a pint and won the All Ireland. So, it was just insane. I was only an 18-year-old. My brother was home from Chicago. Who He lives there for the last 27 years. All our family were there. So that was a huge moment. And I think, luckily enough, in the same, in Simple Stadium also, even though I wasn't, I wasn't actually on the pitch, I was a sub, was Brian Malachny's goal in the 2020 county final. I don't think it'll ever be surpassed. Um, deep, deep into, deep into extra time, he, uh, last minute goal, last, 10 second goal and stuck it in the top corner so I think that's the most that genuinely most memorable moment I, I, I don't think I'll ever ever forget it ever and uh, I think it was a huge moment for our club to eventually get over the line first time in 115 years to win a county final so 
I don't think that'll ever be surpassed. Thank you very much for giving us so much of your time. No bother at all. No bother. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed that. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, yeah, we get a few results over the next few weeks. Looking forward to it now. And as I said, really enjoying my experience so far. So hopefully we can develop these lads and get a good uh, get a good kick out of the year. Matthew Holland trying to buy himself a bit of space. A point for Matthew Holland. So we'd like to wish Dara the best luck for the upcoming year. As anyone listening to the podcast now will know that he's a very nice fella, has a bit of crack about him as well, which is always good. Shane Tompkins, unfortunately, was legally restricted from coming on this podcast. As considering what's been going on with himself and Dara in recent weeks, we we just couldn't have him on the podcast. And that was it. Do you think... Uh... Ben, that we should have probably, you know, let Darren know that Shane's not a bad fella, bad fella, and just a mistake. Like, I did think that, but in reality, we're just best off staying completely out of it. Okay. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, the Enniscorthy Credit Union. Take care. Up Wexford. Most importantly, I like to thank you. Let's go!